This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. We take you back to 1944 for a story from the program Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons. It was one of radio's longest-running shows, airing from October 12th of 1937 to April 19th, 1955, continuing well into the television era. It was produced by Frank and Ann Hummert, who based it upon Robert Chambers' 1906 novel The Tracer of Lost Persons. It aired on NBC Blue Network until 1947 when it switched to CBS. Ben Kilpatrick uh, began as Mr. Keene in 1937 with Arthur Hughes and then Phil Clark stepped into the role later in the series. The kindly Keene and his faithful assistant Mike Clancy, played by Jim Kelly, entertained listeners for 18 years with 1,690 national broadcasts Mr. Keene was the most resilient private detective in the namesake role. Al Rickey's band provided the background music, including the program's theme, Someday I'll Find You. And now the episode, Moonless Night. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the story The Third Man with Zither music by Anton Karras. I've got a story for you. A story about a canvas cloud, a tinsel world, and bloody murder. And if that wasn't enough, it all happened in Taormina, which is in Sicily. I know it happened because I saw it. Call the story The Painted Smile. Stick around. Harry Lyme, 
the third man in today's story, The Painted Smile. I've always had a fondness for the exception that breaks the rule. Maybe it's because I like to break rules myself. Take a smile, for instance. One of the intangibles of life, so everyone says. But what about that smile of the Cheshire cats? That grin hung around long after puss had vanished. You call that intangible? Like the smile I'm going to tell you about. The horrid humor of that painted smile lingered long after the man who wore it was quite dead. As I'd come to Tarmina for a holiday, the circumstances were ideal. I had some extra cash in my pocket, the climate was fine, and the local police were completely disinterested in me. But I no sooner entered my room at the Santa Domenico Hotel, was testing the mattress, as a matter of fact, when a long-bladed Sicilian knife whispered past my ear and wickedly winked at me from the bedpost. Since I was naturally somewhat curious, I turned rather quickly, and standing there in the doorway was a slim man with pale brown hair, pale monkey eyes, and the face of a tragedian. Why, Tony, <laughs> you old clown. Harry, you old devil, what bring you to Tarmina? Money, money, old friend. The climate, a certain weariness. And this happens to be one of the last places in the world where Harry Lyme is welcome. <laughs> you? Same old reason. The circus is playing here. A circus in Sicily? Mm -hmm. Isn't that bringing coals to Newcastle, old man? Not everyone is laughing and happy in Sicily, and clowning is my business. I was born to make people laugh. A clown. Yes, you were born the greatest con man of them all. No, Harry. I have a certain talent for crime, perhaps slate of hand, facility with a knife, but not the heart. I'm afraid I'm an honest man, Harry. <laughs> all the more reason to be my guest tonight, Tony. Share the pleasure my first night in Tarmina. To the contrary, hmm? you shall be mine. I'll serve you Sicilian pasties for hot dogs, champagne for pink lemonade, introduce you to every freak on the midway, and seat you in a box for the main show. How would you like that, eh? Yes, I'd, I'd like that. Well, just this night, I'll step inside your canvas cloud, old man, pop the enchanted peanut in my mouth, and enter the circus heaven of youth. <laughs> I believe every gilded angel and tinsel queen I see smell the animals, walk the sawdust stairway to the stars. Yes, Tony, I'll be happy to accept your invitation to the circus. And who could ask for a better host than a clown? <laughs> We left the midway crowd, the lights and the blaring calliope. Then the growl of jungle beasts came to me. We approached a small dressing tent. Then the clown humbly called for his friend. Nola! Nola! Are you in there? You again, Antonio? What is it? I want to see you. You will see me later. Go away! But I have a surprise for you, Nola. A wonderful surprise. A surprise? A present, perhaps? The canvas flap snapped back and she stepped into the yellow glare of the lamps. Nola. Hair as black as though it had been poured out of an ink bottle. Body sinuous, graceful. Like a cat's. And she was like a cat. And her ice-gray eyes flared strangely when she looked at me. So this is your wonderful surprise, Antonio. Nola, this is Harry Lyme, my friend. I'm always happy to meet a friend. The way she said it, the way she was looking at me, made it seem like we were all alone. Just Nola and me. I know a kind of female. 
I also knew that Tony was in for a bad time. Funny thing, he knew it too. Told me about it a little later while he was putting on his clown makeup. So you feel sorry for me, Harry? Well, I don't feel one way or the other about anyone, but if you fancy Nola for yourself, you're a chump, old man. I know, I know. Oh? And you like to be kicked in the teeth, is that it? Look at me, my friend. What is there about me for a woman to love? Well, there is a great deal about Nola to love. Mm-hmm. To admire, to desire, yeah. To love? Uh-huh. You're forgetting something. I am? All clowns suffer. Oh, yes. Paint a smile that. on their face to hide a broken heart. Ah, really, old man. Don't be trite. <laughs> Noel is like a fever in the blood. A disease. She's not good for me, perhaps, but the pain of loving her is better than the ecstasy of loving any other woman. I agree with you, Tony. You never, never would have made a good confidence man. You think the clown white has gone deeper than my face? That my thinking has become as theatrical as my profession? Perhaps, perhaps. Ah, but the show is about to begin. Help me with my wig, Harry. Oh, there you are. Ah, am I not the funny man? Yeah, very funny. See you later, my friend. Now Antonio must go to clown and dance like a puppet. While Nola pulls the strings, hmm? Laugh, clown, laugh. You poor schmooze. It wasn't a very big circus, but it looked like the greatest thing on earth to the folks in Tarmina. They laughed at Tony's antics till they cried, mooed, nodded at the trapeze performers, and gasped at Nola's animal act. Then came the grand climax. cage, Tony pantomimed his bravery to the crowd. He cracked his whip, he strutted, he, he proved to himself at least that he was afraid of nothing on four legs. And then a smaller cage was rolled in and opened on the main cage, and another clown in the costume of the black puma sprang inside with Tony. First my friend was terrified, then he saw the puma was as frightened as he, and they made friends and waltzed around the cage together as the audience screamed with mirth. It was as simple as that. But Tony's clowning was touched with genius, and his performance it was... All the posturing and heartbreak and fear of the world. And by conquering his fear in the shape of the puma, he put a happy ending to his story, and everybody went home happy. That was everybody but Tony. I saw him after the show waiting for Nola. She ran up from the main tent, still carrying her animal whip. Nola! Nola! Get out of my way! But, Nola, I must talk. Take to your you. hands off me! Let me go! Her whip, cruel and quick as a puma's claw, cut across his face. I could see a livid wheel rising under his clown white. But Tony took it, took it silently, just looked after Nola with big guys. Then he saw me. Thanks for the show, Tony. It was swell, but uh, the rest of the night's on me. Now, let's do Tarmina, hmm? Like men. You, you will excuse me tonight, my friend. Tomorrow I'll come to the hotel. Tomorrow. <laughs> I went back to my monastic cell to do some thinking. I say cell, call it that, because the 
Hotel San Domenico in Taormina was in the 16th century a monastery. And now in the 20th century, it's a very unmonk-like character walked its sacred tiles and pondered on human passion. And then... I had no reason not to answer the door. Yeah? Hello. She was small. Very young, very dewy. You know, the moonlight for hair and stars for eyes sort of thing. You are Mr. Harry Lyme? I am. I am Therese. It's enchanting. You will invite me in. I would speak with you. Well, uh, (laughs) I can't imagine a more satisfactory conversation. I will sit here. If you like. It's all very femme fatale and very intriguing, but... uh, how do you happen to know my name? I asked the manager. Hmm. Now, they do make things easy in Tarmina, don't they? What? Oh, it's unimportant. I just arrived at the hotel a while ago. I am staying here, too. Alone? Oh, yes. Oh, I see. You do know Antonio Vega? Antonio? Oh, sly dog. You're another one of his girls, is that it? I am his only girl. Oh, of course, of course. I am his <laughs> daughter. Oh. The manager told me that Papa was here to see you this afternoon. He said you were his old friend. (laughs) Is that so funny? No, no, don't start that again. I came to you, Mr. Lyme, because I could not find Papa. He wrote to me he was going to be here. He is a traveling salesman, you know. Oh, no. So when school closed for vacation, instead of staying there as usual, I thought I'd come here and surprise Papa. Papa and me, hmm? Hasn't he told you about me? Uh, yes, oh, yes, he... Of course. Then you uh, know where he is. I can go to him. Well, uh, as it so happens, your father's coming to the hotel tomorrow, my dear. Why don't you wait for him here and really surprise him, hmm? What a wonderful idea. Oh, Mr. Lyme, I could kiss you. Oh, no. <laughs> Lime returns in just a moment. Orson Welles, as Harry Lyme, the third man, continues in today's story, The Painted Smile. Teresa didn't know her father's real profession any more than I'd known Tony. had a daughter. My clown friend was beginning to interest me more and more. A man of many lives, one of those still waters run deep boys. And in spite of the sheltered life he'd lavished on Teresa, she'd walked into the finest emotional trap the devil himself could set. What to do? 
I breakfasted with the young lady on the terrace. Well, very popular, very public. Harry, is that you? Oh, oh pardon me, you are busy. Papa! Oh, Papa! Therese! Oh, kiss her, Tony. Go on. I'm sure I would if I had such a daughter. Oh, it's so wonderful to see you, Papa. Be with you again. But the kitten, you, you should have stayed at the school. You are not glad to see me? Of course, of course, my darling. But, but my work, you know, I, I have so little time. That is why I always visited you instead of you coming to see me. If it's only one little minute of the day, it's worth it, Papa. Just to be near you. Oh, have a heart, Tony. Yes, she'll, she'll have me in tears. Your cheek. Oh, Papa, what happened to your poor cheek? A terrible scar. Uh, it was an accident, Therese. Another reason why you must not stay. It is impossible. You understand the situation, oh, Harry. Sure, what situation? Man, I... Why should not a daughter be with her papa? It is impossible. You will go back to school like a good girl, yes? Or to the relatives in Naples. No! Therese? No! No, no, no! I will never leave you! Even if you don't want me around! Well, just who won that round, Tony, old man? What can I do, my friend? Why not tell her the truth? And bring her shame? <laughs> Therese thinks of me as a businessman, dignified, honorable. What would she say if her father told her that he was a clown? Well, you're going to have to tell her something. I said I was an honest man, my friend. That isn't true. Well, what do you do? Pick the pockets of the other clowns? I smuggle emeralds. Again? I smuggle emeralds. It was for her, Harry, Therese... How could I support her in such a fine fashion, good clothes, private schools, on the earnings of a clown in a wandering circus? Well, I hadn't thought about it much. Didn't even know your kitten existed, you see. That is, is one of many things I haven't told you, my old friend. Forgive me. Well, forgiven, but the, uh, the emeralds. You the see, emeralds? I've been very successful in the smuggling trade, but very careful. Over the years, I've saved a small fortune. And now I want to ask you a favor. For the fortune? Anything, old man, for the fortune. It's for Therese when she reaches 21. If anything should happen to me before, see that she gets it. Well, why be so morbid? The way things are lately, you know, Harry, with my life, with Nola, I think my luck's changed. Well, how do you know I won't keep the fortune for myself, old man? The same way I know you won't inform on me to the police. <laughs> yeah. You, you figure this pot's too smart to call the kettle black, is that That's it? That's one way of putting it. <laughs> Come to the circus tomorrow night, Harry. I'll show you where my savings are hidden. Mm. And Therese? Therese? I will think of something. Uh, better her heart should break a little now than learn the truth about me and then... I'll meet you tomorrow night, Tony. I didn't like the way things were going. Not that Harry Lyons averse to learning the exact location of a man's fortune, but this particular collection of moolah seemed to have entirely too many strings attached to it. However, I decided to let tomorrow take care of itself. I was deep in the arms of Morpheus when... Oh. <sighs> yeah. Yes. What the devil do you mean, waking a man up in the middle of the night? That is Mr. Lime, Mr. Harry Lime. Uh, who's calling? This is Signor Borgia, Questore of Taormina, Department of Public Safety. The police? And it is not midnight, Mr. Lime, but nine o'clock in the morning. Well, that's a matter of opinion, sir. You will do me the great favor of coming to my office within the hour, well, I'll Mr. do nothing Lime. of the sort, uh, Borgia, as I told you. You will come, or you will be come for. You are already under surveillance. Well, I'll do you the great favor. Uh, 
Questore Borgia. Your generosity is exceeded only by your wisdom, Signor. Within the hour. I never argue with a policeman over the telephone beyond a certain point. And when he bears the name of Borgia, well, when in Tarmina, do what the Tarmaniacs do, I suppose. I visited the Questore. I found him a small, alert man, all spit and polish. He eyed me like a hungry robin views a fat word. Sit down. Sit down, Signor Lime. You are a friend of Antonio Vegas? Oh, Antonio must have, must have many friends, I should think. Too many. At one time, this Vegas was in your profession, a confidence man. Tony's a good clown. And a smart one. His buffoon makeup hides more than the proverbial broken heart, doesn't it? Does it? Vegas heads a smuggling ring, emeralds. Are you trying to tell me you know nothing about the traffic? Well, I've never dabbled in emeralds, Borgia, old man. They're too hot for my blood. You refuse to admit that you are in partnership with Vegas? If what you said is true... Well, I wish I was. Do not try to warn your friend. He will never leave Taormina. Well, there are worse places to live. Good morning, Signor Lime. Good morning. That mean I can go now? It does. Well, am I still under surveillance? Yes. Why? Well, my holiday mood, that's all, old man. I hope your bloodhounds are broad-minded. Good morning. <laughs> is it that I always get into these things? Here I was about to do Tony a favor. And there's no profit in it for me at all. Well, I went to his dressing room that night and he showed me his fortune, all tucked away under a false bottom of his costume trunk and all in American bills of high denomination. It's a pity to see it lying there just doing nothing. Yeah, now that you know where the money is hidden, I'll replace the bottom. Tony, old boy, I still say I'm... I'm not in this. I... It's not my kind of... kind of caper. Send the nest egg to the relatives in Naples, hmm? I don't trust them. <laughs> you know how it is with good people. Yeah. Southern wealth may change their natures completely. Whereas you... Say no more, old man. <laughs> and here is something else for you to see. Hidden in this bladder, I use for one of my props. Emeralds. Perfectly cut. Some of them are as big as robin's eggs. I deal in nothing but the finest merchandise. Evidently. Uh, who's your fence? Lazzetti. Uh, the best. I find him to be the best. Tony, you're one of the few men I've ever underestimated. Who would suspect the clown? Yes, but I must warn you, Tony, that there are some who... You say Mr. Vegas is in this tent? Si, senorita. Therese. Yes, she must have followed me here. Quick, help me hide these. Yeah. Yes, Therese, you have found me. And now you know what your father really is. He's the best... A clown. I think it is too wonderful. Oh, Papa, did you think I would look down on you because you were a clown in a circus? It is much finer than a traveling salesman. You are angry because I found you out? Why should he, baby? What can I do, Harry? Well, I guess give her a pass to the show. <laughs> I'll take charge of her. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What can I do oh, to... Not... Oh, am I intruding, Antonio? Nola. There were no introductions. 
I took Therese out of there as soon as possible, but before we left, I caught Nola's eyes on the emeralds. They narrowed like a cat's. The lady knew her way around gems as well as men, and that bothered me. The climate of Sarmina had suddenly become very unhealthy. I would have quit the place that night if Borgia's bloodhounds hadn't been guarding every point of exit. Papa going into that animal cage, Mr. Lyme? Oh, it's nothing. He's, he's pretending to he's a cat trainer, you know, like Nola. <laughs> See how brave he is. Oh, oh, how funny he is. Yeah. How wonderful is my papa? Oh, great. Tony's funniest routine began. He's giving the greatest performance of all his life because he's brought it in the audience. The puma cage was wheeled up to the main cage and the door opened. Out came the puma. But no costume clown this one. A very large, very live, and very vicious cat sprang into Tony's cage. It stood there a moment, lashing its tail and blinking in the lights. In that moment, before it sprang at my old friend, I saw Nola's face watching from the tent entrance. Her eyes wide, her lips drawn back in an animal smile. Her hands stretched before her like claws. So she were about to attack. I was glad to see the police. The Puma was shot and killed. Nola was apprehended. What was left of Antonio Vegas was taken to the hospital tent. As I said, he found a way out of Tarmina. The hard way. No, don't. Don't cry, Kitten. It was an accident. No, it was no accident. Like this scar on your cheek. She did it. She did it. I did nothing. It was an accident. Somebody switched the cages. What do you mean? Well, Castore Borgia, I, I, I think I can prove differently. It wasn't you, an accident at all. He lied? Antonio Vegas is my friend, Signora. You can understand that word, friend. Why should I lie? I saw you switch the cages deliberately. No, no, I did not. I did not. And I know why you did. No. Harry. It was because of jealousy. Jealous? Of that clown? Stop it! Stop it! You shall not laugh at my papa! Your... Your papa? Thank you. Thank you, Harry. Time returns in just a moment.
And now, Harry Lyme. I think somebody before me once pointed out that women are very curious creatures. You take Lola, for instance. Lola was quite prepared to murder the man she loved, just out of a fit of jealousy. Some women, of course, indulge in a more refined and less dangerous form of vengeance. They arrange matters for the men they love so that life just seems like death. I sometimes wonder what life would be like without women. So quiet and peaceful. And so very, very dull. Stay tuned for Robert Young as Father Knows Best, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Father Knows Best and the episode entitled, Too Many Peanuts. Mother, why does Daddy insist on instant Sanka coffee? Your father says instant Sanka is 100% pure coffee and the only instant coffee that lets him sleep. And your father knows best. It's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young, his father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by Instant Sanka Coffee and Post 40% Brand Flakes. Mother, next time you're choosing a cereal, remember new Post 40% Brand Flakes give your family all the important keep-regular benefits of brand in a cereal with a delicious new magic oven flavor. Insist on Post Brand Flakes, the cereal preferred and eaten by far more people than any other brand flakes. This weekend, get Post 40% Bran Flakes in the new family size 15-ounce package. They're good, and so good for you. Remember the old saw about the fellow who went into the auction sale to get out of the rain, sneezed, and found he bought a set of dishes? Well, I doubt if that ever really happened, but Jim Anderson had an experience this afternoon at an auction sale. He got the bargain to end all bargains. Margaret hasn't heard about it yet. She's at home in the kitchen of the white frame house on Maple Street, baking a cake like this. Dear, I hope that recipe isn't the same one that Evelyn... Hi, Mom. Bud, don't slam the door. Why not? I have a cake in the oven. Oh. And don't stomp through the kitchen. I'll go around to the front door. That would be much safer, thank you. That's okay. Bud, Bud, don't slam the... <laughs> oh, no. Sake, what's all the racket out here? That was your brother tiptoeing out the back door. I'm afraid to look at the cake. Well, wonder of wonders. Is it flat? No, it weathered the storm. What I wanted to ask you, Mother, Jamie Liggett and I and some of the other girls got the most perfect idea at school today. Listen and see what you think of it. Go right ahead. I have to make this frosting. Well, we decided that we're all simply too utterly unaware. Oh? Unaware of what? Books, Mother. The great books, the classics. We've decided that we're going to organize a reading club. We're going to elevate our minds to higher planes of thought. Who's going to go where? 
Nobody's going anyplace, Dopey. I'm talking to Mother. So we thought a perfect place for the club meetings would be our playroom downstairs. We almost never use it. Could we have it for our club meetings, Mother? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's all right. Oh, that's good, because I invited the girls for the first meeting tomorrow night. Stand back now. I don't want to drop this cake. Margaret, I'm home. I'm in the kitchen, dear. Oh, hi, kids. Hello, Father. Hi, Dad. Hello, honey. Hello, dear. Careful of this cake pan. It's sizzling hot. Mmm, good. That for dinner? No, this is my contribution to the Harvest Jubilee. Oh? You know, the big charity circus out at the fairgrounds. It's for the children's home. I have to hurry. I told Mrs. Michaels the cake would be ready by six. Her husband's going to stop by for it. Sounds like a worthy cause. Oh, by the way, there hasn't been anything delivered this afternoon, has there? No, why? Were you expecting something, Father? You buy something, Dad? Hi, Daddy. What'd you get? Now, wait, I didn't say Did I Did you got get any... a new suit? No. What is it, Father? Well, if it hasn't been delivered yet, I'm not going to tell you. I'll bet it's a new car. No. A new chair for the living room? No, nothing like that. You'd never guess in a million years. Where'd you buy it? Well, they were having an auction sale over at the commercial warehouse, and I stopped in just for the fun of it. What in the world could you get at a warehouse auction? Is it a baby sister? <laughs> you don't buy baby sisters, knucklehead. Marion Wilbur says they're still paying for her baby sister, and she's three years old. <laughs> oh, tell us, Father. Look, it's nothing to get excited about. I just got a very unusual bargain, that's all. Well, what is it? Oh, it isn't exactly an it. It's more of a them. Oh, for goodness sake, I'll never get this cake frosted. Mother, make him tell us. I can't make him tell. Hey, there's a truck back in the driveway. Well, here they are. I guarantee this is going to be the world's biggest surprise. Let's go out and see. No, stay here. The man will bring him in. Oh, I can't stand the suspense. I simply can't stand it. There's the man. I'll go. I'll let him in. Now, don't push. I'll have to sign for it. Hello there. Mr. Anderson? That's right. Delivery from the commercial warehouse. Sign right here, please. Oh, yes. Yeah, there you are. Thank you. I brought one bag in. Where should we put the others? Oh, you can just stack them in the back porch here. In this back porch? Sure, just stack them up. All right, if you say so. Jim, what in the world is in that burlap bag? I told you, you'd never guess. Here, I'll drag it in the kitchen. Now, close the door, bud. Hurry, Father, open the bag. What is it? All right, brace yourselves for the big surprise. Oh, no! Peanuts! <laughs> Peanuts! Is that what you bought, Dad? Peanuts? Oh, boy! The whole bag! Millions of them! Father, is this some kind of a joke? No, I picked them up at the auction. I just stopped in for a minute to see what was going on, and the auctioneer said, What am I bid for these bags of fine roasted peanuts? Bags? You mean there are more of them? Oh, probably a few more. Anyway, he didn't get any bids, so he said, Will anyone start the bidding? Who'll give five dollars for this five hundred pounds? Five hundred pounds? You bought five hundred pounds of peanuts? Now, wait a minute. I hadn't intended to bid on anything. But five dollars for five hundred pounds of peanuts? It's a fantastic bargain. I had no idea I'd get them. It was too good to be true. Anyway, I said, I'll bid five dollars. Next thing I knew, he was saying, sold to the man in the blue suit for five dollars. I couldn't believe it. 
I'm having a little trouble believing it myself. Peanuts. I thought maybe it was a set of antique silver or something. When can we start eating them, Daddy? Help yourself. There's plenty. I don't think I want any. Wait till I tell Joe we got 500 pounds of peanuts. He won't believe it. Now, Bud, don't go telling it around the neighborhood. We'll have all the kids in town over here. Uh, but, dear, have you any idea of... I mean, how much does this one bag weigh? Oh, probably 25 pounds. But think of it, honey. At $5 for 500 pounds, that's only a cent a pound. Do you know what you pay for peanuts when you buy them in the store? Yes, About but... 35 or 40 cents a pound. I got $200 worth of peanuts for $5. But the ones in the store are shells, dear. Yeah, that's right. But it's still a terrific bargain. Peanuts, what a letdown. I'm going upstairs and make plans for our reading club. Dad, if this bag is 25 pounds, there must be some others, huh? Yes, there'd be a few more. That's the delivery man again, Jim. Well, sir, did you... Great Caesar, we've got a porch full. You told me to stack them out here, Mr. Anderson. I wanted at the time. I I didn't realize there were so many. <gasps> oh, for heaven's sake. Where's my washing machine? Can't see it, ma'am, but it's under there. <laughs> hey, Bud, look. We got peanuts clear up to the ceiling. Twenty-five pounds to a bag, four bags to a hundred, and you got five hundred pounds, Mr. Anderson. That's... That's 20 bags, and those bags aren't little. Yes, I can see that. It, it's none of my business, Mr. Anderson, but if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with them? Uh, well, there are unlimited uses for peanuts. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, same to you. Well, dear? What do you mean? Sure, it seems like a lot of peanuts just looking at them in the bags there, but... You'll have to admit it, Margaret, that that's the greatest bargain you ever heard of. A penny a pound. Think of it. What are we going to do with them, Daddy? Why, there's no end of what you can do with them. We can shell some of them, put them in jars. We can grind them up, make our own peanut butter. Uh, when do we do all this? In our spare time. Long winter evenings. Think of the fun, the whole family sitting around the fire. Well, I have to finish this cake. Mr. Michaels will be here in a little while. It's simply a case of knowing a bargain when you see one, dear. Yes, honey. Can I help you, Mommy? You'll have to admit it was a bargain, Margaret. Yes, dear. Bud? I think it was a bargain, Dad. Well, of course it was. I don't care if it's peanuts or real estate or what. A bargain's a bargain. Sure it is. You know what you are doing, Dad. Thank you, son. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> Well, we can't leave them there on the back porch. I'll tell you what we'll do, bud. I'll give you a quarter if you'll move them down into the playroom. The whole 500 pounds? Well, you can take them one bag at a time. The playroom's a good place for them. Okay, down to the playroom. Margaret. I'm frosting the cake, dear. It's a funny thing, the way a person just stumbles into an opportunity like that. Like what, dear? The auction down at the warehouse. <laughs> You can't imagine that out of all those people down there, I would be the only one to realize what those peanuts were really worth. I can imagine it. Hand me the spoon for the frosting, Kathy. This one? Don't lick it. A $200 value for $5. Now, how could anybody in his right mind pass it up? I just don't know. Bud Anderson, what are you doing? Let go. Dad told me to. Father! Better brace yourself, dear. Sounds like you're in for storm. 
that's in the playroom. Certainly. Why not, Princess? Why not? My club is meeting there tomorrow night. Well, that's all right. The bags of peanuts won't be in your way. What? Just push them over against the wall. Father, this is my reading club. We're taking up the classics, the treasures of literature, and I'm the president. Well, I don't see what Can't that is. Can't you see us reading Milton's Paradise Lost, surrounded by peanuts? <laughs> well, throw a cover or something over them. I'll be the laughing stock of the whole school, the peanut queen of Springfield. Now, Princess, you're getting all upset about nothing. How can you do this to your own daughter? I didn't know you were going to use the playroom. I told Mother, didn't I, Mother? Well, I didn't know the peanuts were going into the playroom. If you'd ask me about it, dear. Yeah. Here we are, trying to absorb a little culture to rise above our surroundings. There's nothing wrong with these surroundings. Dad. Might as well try to read the classics in a chicken coop. Betty, just because of... Dad. What... what is it, bud? I didn't get all the peanuts into the playroom. <laughs> well, thank goodness. One of the bags broke. <laughs> Jim. Jim, I smell something burning. Some of the peanuts went down the furnace vent. Oh, Oh, no. You'll have to get them out of there, dear. It'll be all over the house. It isn't bad enough, Father, that you turn the house into a peanut gallery. Now we have smog. <laughs> what are you going to do, Dad? You know, Bud, by the oddest coincidence, I'm asking myself the same question. probably seemed like a wonderful idea to Jim when he was able, by the greatest good fortune, to pick up 500 pounds of peanuts at auction for just $5. But for some mysterious reason, the other members of the Anderson family are not sharing Jim's enthusiasm over the remarkable purchase. In fact, to be perfectly frank about it, the darn peanuts have just about upset the entire household. Jim has retired to the den to ponder the problem. Like this. I swear, if I ever buy anything again... What were you saying, dear? Oh, nothing. I was just thinking, from now on, I'm not going to buy so much as a dozen eggs without getting a signed affidavit from everyone in the house. Don't let it upset you, dear. I'm sure it will all work out all right. Oh, it's going to work out. I'm going to get rid of every last one of those peanuts. How, dear? How? Margaret, you and the children don't seem to realize that they're valuable. People buy them. Yes, I know. I mean other people. They're a fine food. They're rich in protein, practically the same as meat. Everybody likes peanuts. Everybody will buy them. Who, for instance? Well, everybody. Bud and Kathy can put them into little bags, sell them around. <laughs> can you guess how many five-cent bags of peanuts we have down there in the playroom? Nine million? Not quite that many. But there are several thousand. Bud and Kathy can earn all their Christmas money and put some in the bank besides. All out of that $5. Sounds fine, dear. I have to start dinner. I'm putting the cake for Mr. Michaels on the hall table. Will you give it to him when he comes? Yeah, I'll give it to him. Father! Yes, Princess, you can have the playroom. Well, I simply won't take my club down there if those ridiculous... Don't worry, they're going. But the time you and your reading club get in there tomorrow night, there won't be a single solitary goober on the premises. Well, I'm glad you finally came to your senses. What do you have in the spray gun? Chlorophyll. 
With those peanuts down the furnace vent, the house smells like an old incinerator. I thought it was rather pleasant. <laughs> Bud? Kathy? What do you want, Dad? You call me Daddy? What is it, Dad? I have a wonderful idea how you and Kathy can earn a lot of money. You take the peanuts and put them up in paper bags and sell them around the neighborhood for five cents a bag. You can easily make a, a hundred dollars. Clear profit. Gee, I don't know, Daddy. We couldn't sell them all before tomorrow night anyway. Well, I thought if we make the deal, you, you could move them into the garage just temporarily. Move all those sacks again? Well, think of the money you can make. You'll be rich. No, I don't think so. I'd feel silly going around selling peanuts. What's silly about it? I don't know. Peanuts. <laughs> Everybody'd laugh. What do you care? It's a legitimate business. No, I, I, I'd feel silly. Thanks anyway, Dad. Yeah, thanks anyway, Dad. Well, wait, kids, listen. It sounds like you're having a little difficulty, dear. I don't know what's gotten into kids. Afraid somebody will laugh at them. Father. Yes, Princess, I'll get rid of the peanuts. Has Mr. Michaels come by for the cake? No, not yet. Well, there's one sure way to get rid of them. People will take anything if it's free. I'll give the darn things away. Christmas presents? No. I'll just call some of my friends and tell them to come and get them. After all, that's not a bad gift, 25 pounds of peanuts. I'll call Ed Davis next door. He'll be tickled to death. Loves to get something for nothing. See that the children don't get into this cage. I will. Hello, Ed. Uh, this is Jim. Are you busy? Well, come on over. I have a little surprise here for you. No, you can see when you get here. Right. Goodbye. Well, that'll be 25 pounds gone. Bud! Yes? Go down in the playroom and bring up one of those bags of peanuts, will you? What for? I'll tell you when you bring it up. Front door, Father. I know, I know. Oh, hello, Ed. Come on in. What's up, Jim? Oh, just a little surprise. Something we thought you and your wife might like. Well, what is it? Check for $1,000? <laughs> no, no. This is a real surprise. Bud! Okay. It's really kind of a crazy sort of a gift. Hey, talk about crazy things. A fella down the street works over at the commercial warehouse. He was telling me a few minutes ago about some of the goofy things people buy at those auctions. <laughs> you won't believe this, Jim, but he said today that some poor sap bought 500 pounds of peanuts. Can you imagine? <laughs> that wasn't a dealer either. Just some lame brain, money burning holes in his pockets. Now, what would an ordinary guy do with 500 pounds of peanuts? Uh, I couldn't imagine. Okay, Dad, I'll go down the playroom. Uh, no, no, never mind, bud. But you said you wanted me to get... Uh, run along, son. It's all right. I'll take care of the, uh, the uh, playroom. I'll clean it up. You run along. Okay, but you... That's fine. Thanks anyway, son. We'll do some weird things. Come to think of it, I believe it was 800 pounds of peanuts the guy bought. No, it was five. <laughs> well, you can't imagine anyone buying more than that. Well, I have to get back to him. What's the big surprise? A surprise? Oh, the surprise. <laughs> well... Oh, Jim, this is too much. What is? The cake. How did you know this was Martha's birthday? Well, Ed, the cake, that, that is... That, Talk that's about to... a surprise. Wait till Martha sees this. Yeah, well, Ed... You that... know, you and Margaret are just about the best neighbors and the best friends we've ever had. 
Well, thanks, Ed, but... You but, tell uh, Margaret that we think she's just great. Just great. I gotta run. Thanks again, Jim. Bye. Uh, bye, Ed. <laughs> what happened, Dad? Oh, something awful. I'll never be able to explain this to your mother. Never. Where'd the cake go? That's what I can never explain to your mother. I heard you talking to someone, dear. Oh, Mr. Michaels came by for the cake. Well, I'll see you, Dad. Well, come back, bud. Don't leave me. <laughs> Maybe I should have contributed more than the cake. But they'll sell it for at least a dollar and a half. And I've done a lot of other work for the Jubilee. I... Dear, you don't look well. I'm not. I'm sick. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, that wasn't Michaels who was here. It was Ed Davis. Where's my cake? Honey, uh, Ed took it. Ed! Now, don't ask me to explain. It's just one of those things. But you were going to give in the... Uh, Margaret! Don't use the word, please. <laughs> Saw the cake on the table, thought that was why I asked him over. It's Martha's birthday. I was trapped, believe me. But what will I tell Mr. Michaels? Father! What? Are you getting those peanuts out of the playroom? I will. Give me time. If I hadn't told Mrs. Michaels that I would bake... Look, it. honey, I'll buy another cake. There isn't time, dear. Oh! Jim. Fiddlesticks. <laughs> Dad. Yes, bud? I've been thinking about your idea of selling the peanuts. Maybe I could do no, it. No, bud. I, I'd give up that idea if I were you. But I've got a swell idea. If people laugh at me, I can just tell them I'm helping my father. <laughs> No, bud. Well, would it be any better if I said, my poor old father? <laughs> Jim, here comes Mr. Michaels up the walk. We'll just have to tell I'll him. explain to him somehow, Margaret. You go in the kitchen. What should I do, Dad? Father? Yes, I'm taking care of it. But here's a dollar. Get those peanuts out of the playroom. What'll I do with them? I don't care what you do with them. Front door, Father. There's Mr. Michaels, dear. All right, all right. I could call the zoo, make a deal with the elephants, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Call the elephants. Jim, Father. All right, all right. Well, uh, Mr. Michaels? Yes, that's right, sir. Sorry to have kept you waiting. I, I, uh, I'm Jim Anderson. Well, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, sir. Thank you. Uh, uh come in, won't you? Yes, thank you, thank you, yes. <laughs> well, these are busy days, aren't they, Mr. Anderson? Yes, they, they, they certainly are. Busy days. Yes, indeed. Uh, I was supposed to pick up something for Mrs. Michaels, but <laughs> I've completely forgotten what it was. <laughs> Now, isn't that annoying? She she told me only five minutes ago. <laughs> Does your mind ever do strange things? My family often thinks it does. It was something in connection with the charity circuit. Well, don't worry about it. Why don't we just let it go until tomorrow? You know, it, it, it was something your wife was contributing, something we were going to sell at the circus. Uh, well, I'm sure Mrs. Anderson would know. Oh, I doubt it. Really, the, these are busy days, you know. <laughs> Maybe if you went home... Was it a cake? Well, 
To tell you the truth... Well, you'll just have to forgive me, really. I'm going in circles. My wife is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee for this circus, and I've been running my legs off, rounding up things to sell. Candy, soft drinks, peanuts. I, I am losing my mind over peanuts. <laughs> Not you, too. Do you know there isn't a peanut to be had in this town? <laughs> What, what was that again? Some unscrupulous speculator bought up the last 500 pounds in the warehouse. No. Whoever he is, he has a corner on the peanut market. <laughs> you don't say. And what really makes me sick is that the rascal bought the whole 500 pounds at auction for just $5. If I could have had even 100 pounds... Open the door, will you, Dad? This sack is heavy. Uh, hold it a minute, bud. Uh, Mr. Michaels, open a corner of this bag. You want to buy some? How, how many do you have? 500 pounds. Yeah. Mr. Anderson, it was you. Well, I, I'm not exactly a peanut speculator, but I knew it was a bargain. Uh, are you interested? Interested? Oh, thank my lucky stars. What's your price? How much for the lot? No charge. Just say this is Mrs. Anderson's contribution to the charity circuit. Oh, bless you, sir. Bless you. Forgive me those awful things I said. I should bite off my tongue. You are the salt of the earth, the very salt of this good earth. Wait, where are you going? I, 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 I'm going to get a truck to haul those peanuts. Oh, bless you. Oh, don't change your mind. I'll be right back. Holy cow. He must have snapped his cap. <laughs> the conversation, dear. You uh, probably didn't know you were married to an unscrupulous speculator. Oh, he was practically gibbering with joy. Congratulations, dear. The peanuts were a wonderful bargain. Well, thank you. I've been trying to tell you that ever since I came home. You're pretty sharp, Dad. Father! Bud, run upstairs and tell your sister that if she has anything to say, she may come downstairs and address me in a respectful tone of voice. <laughs> a little quiet right now. You see, the Betty Anderson Literary Society is in session in the downstairs playroom without peanuts. Up in the living room, Margaret is doing some mending while Jim reads the paper. What are you reading, dear? No, oh, there's some very interesting ads in the paper tonight. Oh, such as? The Big Harvest Jubilee in Charity Circus tomorrow. Full page. Oh, they'll have a big crowd. I suppose we'd better go. Oh, you don't care for those things, dear. Besides, you made probably the biggest contribution of anyone in town. No, I'd sort of like to go. Why? Do you want to see the exhibit? No. I've heard the Midway is going to be rather lively. No, it's not that. Well, why in the world do you want to go? Well, you know, honey, I never did get to taste those peanuts. <laughs> week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson. Until then, good night and good luck from the makers of Post 40% Brand Flakes, the cereal preferred and eaten by far more people than any other Brand Flakes, and Instant Sanka, the delicious coffee that lets you sleep. In our cast were Helen Strom as Kathy, 
Gene Vanderpile, Rhoda Williams, Ted Donaldson, Howard Culver, and Parley Bear. Father Knows Best, based on characters created by Ed James, was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Paul West and Roswell Rogers. This is Bill Foreman speaking. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by The Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.